0: Awesome. Well, kia ora and talofa. Church, welcome to your evening service. Yeah, kia ora and talofa to you, Pastor Don as well. It's a blessing to be here, and we are blessed that you chose to join us this evening at our evening service. So, welcome again to our evening service, but also welcome to Level 1 as well. This is our first evening service back from Level 1, so welcome to that. But, you know, Church, we understand that where there are new levels, there are new devils. Amen. So, come on, somebody. And because there are new devils, we have to make sure that we level up today from the, from the Word of God. Amen. And to level up, we have to make sure that we keep God on the level. How is that for us? Uh, that's pretty good. That's, I should be a rapper, right, box. So I should be in your—I should feature in your next song, Bucks, eh? Level up, overflow my cup. Hold oh, me down. That's enough, anyway. If I should stick to preaching, say amen. Okay, I'll stick to—all right. That's the most emphatic amen I've ever gotten from the church. So anyway, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get stuck into it, right? Let me commit all time to Jesus. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that we can come together to your people um, in person and hear you speak through your word. Lord, we pray that your word would not return void or would accomplish its purposes. Father, we pray that your word would, um, it would be sharp, that it would edify, it would build up and encourage as well. Father, I pray for ears to hear, a soft heart and a mind to understand as well. Lord, I pray for people here who don't know you. Lord, I pray that you'd soften their heart to the truth of the gospel, that your word would be like a, just, just pierce their hearts this evening as well. Father, we love you. We lift you up. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, <clears throat> church, we live in an ever-changing world. In fact, not just the world, but the universe around us is changing. Yeah, we live in an ever-expanding universe. The galaxies, literally as we speak, are drifting further and further away from us. But not only is the universe getting bigger, it's also losing energy. As we speak, the universe is becoming more and more disorderly due to what we call entropy. So the universe is changing. The climate is changing. Our earth is experiencing significant temperature changes all the time. The climate is changing. The culture is changing. Church, we are going through what I would call a moral, a moral revolution. We now live in a culture that now calls good evil and evil good. This community church is changing, I think, changing for the better as well. You are changing. If I wouldn't turn to a person next to you and say, You've changed. I could hear some shade from some people. You've changed. Okay. <laughs> You're not the man you used to be. I mean, so... we. <laughs> but family, in the midst of all of this change, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the book of Malachi chapter 3, <clears throat> God speaks through the prophet Malachi, and he says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, o sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Now, church, I believe God has been strategic when he spoke these words through the prophet Malachi. And I believe that because think about where the book of Malachi is situated. It is the last book of the Old Testament. Thus, the book of Malachi is a bridge. It represents transition. We are transitioning from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. We are transitioning from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We are transitioning from the Old Testament animal sacrificial system that covered sin to now Christ's one-time sacrifice on the cross that forgives sin. We are moving from the priesthood that stood in the gap between God and men to there now being only one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ Jesus. We are moving from God's redemptive purpose as being limited to Israel to now God's redemptive purpose has been extended to the whole world. But family, in the midst of all of this change, in the midst of all of this theological progression and transition, God says strategically and emphatically, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Church, the God that delivered you from your old life is the same God who delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians. The God who's been faithfully providing for you, even when you're unfaithful to Him, is the same God who, is, who the Israelites exclaimed, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. The God who's been prompting your heart to share the gospel with that work colleague or that family member is the same God who said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witness. The God who's been faithfully enduring every storm with you and walking through every trial with you is the same God who said to the disciples on a sinking boat, fear not, as he calmed the storm. And the God who gave you a new heart when you became born again is the same God who hardened Pharaoh's heart. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. The title of this message is Changing World, Unchanging God. Now, church, when we talk about God's unchangingness, we're talking about what Bible college students would call God's immutability. In fact, everybody say immutability. I don't know about you, but I feel smarter for just saying this. So immutability, amen? If you, if you do ERC, you'll learn words like that as well that you can use in everyday conversation. Helen does that all the time when I'm just having a normal convo with him. Just let me give you a definition of what we mean by God's immutability. <clears throat> God is unchanging in his being Character, purpose, purposes and word. God does not develop, learn, mutate or deviate in any aspect. In every aspect, God remains the same. Family, just to emphasize that, God does not learn anything because he's already perfect in wisdom and knowledge. God does not develop because He is already perfect in his completion. Amen? So family, we're going to look at God's unchangingness from four different aspects. I mean, four different angles. Point number one: God is unchanging in His being. If everybody say being. In John chapter four verse twenty four, Jesus said this: "God is spirit, and his worship is worship him in spirit and in truth." Church, God is spirit. God does not have a physical body or a physical composition. God is spirit, and because God is spirit, family, God does not decay, God does not decline, God does not grow weary, God does not grow tired. God is spirit. In fact, family, this is why God can be at more places at once because He his spirit. And because he is spirit family, God is unchanging in his being. Now, church, when you look in the mirror, you know, particularly for those of you over 40, you can see that you're in a state of decay, okay? A state of decline. Amen? Some of you decaying worse than others. But it's true, church, listen, it's, it's true, your, your, your hairline is receding, your waistline is expanding, your, your skin is losing its, what's the word I'm looking for? Elasticity, there we go. I had to, I had to use my parkier voice, elasticity, there we go. And that's, and that's because church, all created things are in a state of decline or decay, but God is His unchanging being remains the same. In Psalms 102 verse 25, the psalmist said this, "'In the beginning, you laid the foundation of the earth, "'and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. They will change and, and and be discarded, but you remain the same and your years will never end. You know, church, when God was speaking about worshiping God in spirit and in truth, he was talking to the woman at the well. And his point was worship of God is not confined to the temple of Jerusalem. Worship of God is not limited to uh, a physical geographical location. God is spirit. And because God is spirit, we worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen? Listen, so church, if you want to raise your hands during worship, awesome. You do it. I do it as well. If you want to keep your hands to your side, that's okay as well. You must be a Baptist, but that's how you keep your hands to your side. If you want to dance during worship, awesome, church. If you don't remain still during worship, you can do that as well. Because, church, we understand that worship is not about the posture of your body. It's about the posture of your heart. Amen? To worship God in spirit and in truth means to worship with the totality of your being. It means to offer your heart as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him. This is what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? We worship God in spirit because God is spirit. And because God is spirit, God remains the same in His unchanging being. Secondly, God is unchanging in His purposes. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, it reads, uh, Paul says this, "...in Him we have an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of Him." who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Family, what that means is when the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, counseled together within the Trinity, and they determined what their will and purpose would be in eternity past, that purpose became fixed. That purpose became everlasting. That purpose became unstoppable. Nothing can halt or thwart the purposes of God. No man can stop it. No force can can halt it. Nothing can stop His purpose of coming to fruition. You know, family, when God flung the universe into existence by the power of His Word, God did not just create, He sustains. He sustains all things. When God created, He set in motion eternal purposes that cannot be stopped, that cannot be thwarted. No knowledge escapes His wisdom. No sickness can escape His permission. No event can evade the, the scope of his sovereignty. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. Family, God does not have a plan B because his plan A always comes off. His plan A always succeeds. You know, family, I remember being at Bible college a few years back and I had to sit in a lecture from a guest lecturer. And this guest lecturer was what is known as an open theist. Now church, for those who don't know family, a theist is someone who believes in God. Okay, we are, we all be fierce. We all believe in God. But this gentleman was an open theist, and an open theist is someone who believes in a God who does not know the future. And because God does not know the future, the future is open, hence the term open fears. And if this, this lecture is trying to convince us that, listen, we need to be like him. You know, it's, it's exciting that, that God does not know the future. God is just sort of on the journey with us. God is just taking educated guesses along the way, and we should have an open mind like him. We need to have an open mind like he does. Let me tell you something, family. Sometimes your mind can be so open, your brain falls out. Amen? Amen? Listen, church, God, listen, church, the Word of God does not call us to have an open mind. The Word of God calls us to have a discerning mind, to be able to test all spirits, to see if they're from God, to test every truth and doctrine against the Word of God because this is our standard. Amen? A discerning mind we are to have. Church, God knows the future because He has determined the future. He has ordained the future. He has declared what will happen. In Isaiah fifty-six, sorry, 46 verse 9, it reads, I am God and there is none like me who declares the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Church, God stands at the beginning and He declares the end. The end of human history, the end of every life, the end of every event, He stands at the beginning and He declares the end. And the implication is everything in, be- in between. If God has declared a church, it will come to pass. If He has spoken it, nothing will stop it. Nothing can halt His purposes. You know, church, when you look at the landscape of human history, you begin to realize that history is really His story. All of history is God's unfolding redemptive purposes for humanity that reached their culmination at the cross. And church, nothing could halt His purposes. Nothing can halt His purposes to redeem His people through His Son. Nothing can stop it. He was incomplete. Control. And church, I want to encourage you with this. If God is in complete control at a cosmic level, at a a cosmic grand level, if if He's in full control of grand events at that kind of level, then certainly church, God is in complete control of your life and mine. Amen? If God is working out things for His purposes, according to the counsel of His will, at a grand macro level, then God is working out His purposes in your life at a micro level as well. We can be assured of that. You know, some of you might be thinking, listen, I've, I've made too many mistakes. I've fallen back into old habits too many times. I've, uh, the ship has sailed in terms of the call of God on my life for me. I've simply made too many mistakes. I've made too many errors. I've slipped back into old patterns of sin and lifestyle. God's purposes are done for me. The call of God is, is, has been cancelled over my life. I want to encourage you, family. Somebody once said this. They said, when God mapped out the plan for your life, He took into account your stupidity. Amen. He took into account my stupidity. Praise God that he took into account how stupid I would be. Amen? A couple of years ago, church, I was, um, I was in a dark place, at least by my standards. I, I, I had squandered opportunities to do things I would have loved because I'd been an egg the whole year. Um, I was sad and depressed. In fact, church, I was so sad and depressed, I didn't even shave. That's how sad and depressed I was. I didn't even groom myself, church. That's how sad I was. I was that's the, that was the, the pit of my despair. I'd walk around church, around my house during the, during the weekend, not go out. and have pity parties all by myself. And, but church, you know the worst thing about pity parties is? You are the only person who turns up. That is the worst thing about them, me, myself, and I. So church, I would sit there and I'd think to myself, that's, that's it. I've squandered those opportunities. I've wasted away those doors that God was going to open. The call, of, the call of God on my life has been wasted. It's been canceled because of my actions. But family, I'll never, I'll never forget what God said to me, what he impressed on my heart. He said to me, he said this, he says, the promises and purposes on your life are still yes and amen. My purpose has not changed. But God was saying to me, listen, my purpose has not changed, but maybe it's time for you to change. It's time for you to realign. It's time for you to reposition, to repent and recommit to the, that process that will get to the promise that God has prepared for you before you were born. My purpose never changed, but now you need to change. You need to realign, amen, with this plan and purpose for your life. Family, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. You may be thinking I've stuffed up too many times. I've, I've played up too many times. And the call of God on my life has been canceled. God is saying to you what he said to me. my purpose for you hasn't changed. But now is the time for you to change. To realign yourself with the purposes of God. To recommit to that process to achieve the promise that I've I've planned for you before you were born. My purposes never change, amen? Thirdly, God's word never changes. You know, family, there is increasing cultural pressure uh, for the the church to become more tolerant, to become more inclusive, to be more accommodating to certain lifestyles and behaviors. And this has caused many in the church to, to cave under their pressure, you know, to change the word of God, to manipulate the word of God, to amend the word of God, to make it more woke to make it more PC, to make it more, to make it more appealing to the sensitivities of our culture. I had one liberal pastor say to me, listen, Christianity must change or die. I've even had leaders tell me, and they say this to me, listen, the, the teaching and preaching the Bible is out of touch, out of date. It's, it's ineffective in reaching the next generations. We need to, in fact, market the church like it was a product to a dying world to make it more attractive and appealing. You know, family, we've talked a lot about God's unchanging promises and purposes. And family, the reason God's promises and purposes never change is because they are founded on His Word that never changes. Church, God's Word does does not conform to culture. God's Word changes culture. God is not amending His Word to suit the way we live. No, we must amend the way we live to fit the Word of God. Amen? The psalmist said this. He says... Oh Lord, Your Word is forever settled in heaven. Church, God's Word is a done deal. It is fixed. It is everlasting. It never returns void. It always accomplishes its purposes. And finally, and as for those who say that Christianity must change or die, the Bible is at a touch, at a date to preach it simply and plainly, that we need to sort of be more appealing and attractive and market the church to people because preaching doesn't work. The Word of God doesn't work. Let me tell you something, Church, God's Word still delivers. God's Word still convicts. God's Word still edifies. God's Word still sanctifies. God's Word still brings life to a dark place. It still brings, it still brings light to darkness. God's Word is still sharpening a two-edged sword, piercing the hearts of men in this life and every generation to come. Church, we have a sure Word from God. God's Word never changes. It is everlasting. In Matthew chapter 5, verse, verse 18, Jesus spoke this about the nature of the Word of God. He says, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Church, Jesus is saying this. He's saying it'd be easier for one letter of the Word of God not to be fulfilled. Sorry, I should say this. It'd be easier, church, I misspoke. It'd be easier for all of creation to become uncreation than for one letter of the Word of God not to be fulfilled. It'd be easier, church, for the whole universe to collapse and and everything in it to dissipate than for one promise of the Word of God not to become reality. Church, this is a sure word from God. Family, this is a word that you can build your life on. This is a word that you can bank on. This is a word, church, that regardless of the shifting sands of our time and uncertainty, we can be sure that our faith is well-grounded in the Word of God. Family, the grass may wither. The flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. Fourthly and finally, church, God's, God is unchanging in His love for the redeemed. Family, God's love is an expression of His unchanging character. And because God's nature is unchanging, His love is unchanging as well. You know, church, I love what God says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 31. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Before time began, God chose you to be the object of his everlasting love, his redemptive love, his saving love, his pursuing love, his unfailing love. God's love for those who belong to him never changes because his nature never changes. Now church, does God love the world? Absolutely, God loves the world. In fact, we know that God is love. God by his very being is love. But family, there is a special love that God has for those who belong to him. It is a love of a father who's adopted us into sonship to so now call us sons and daughters of the living God. It is a love of children who can now call him and cry out Abba Father because we know him in this personal, parental way. His love for his children never changes. Now, I tell you, does that mean that we can abuse God's grace and, and his love because his love never changes? No. In fact, the Bible teaches there is no sacrifice for sin for people who abuse his grace. And Jesus even said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Does this unchanging love mean that we can't displease God? No. If we are taught in Hebrews 11 that God often disciplines his children. He chastises those whom he loves because he loves us. But family, what God's unchanging love does mean me, that it means his love for me is not based on the inconsistency of my performance. It's based on the consistency of his character. God's love for me is not based on who, what I do, rather it's based on who he is. Church, if God's love was based on my goodness and faithfulness, God would have fell out of love with me a long time ago. His love never changes. You know, church, when I look at the, the relationship I have with my parents, and there, there's been times in my life where I've been a very pretty average son, to say the least. Uh, particularly to my mother, I've talked back to my mother. I've been disrespectful. I, I've, I've, just, I've taken her for granted. And there's been many times where I've had to seek restoration. I've had to seek to restore what I've severed in that relationship. But you know what, church, in the midst of my disrespect, in the midst of my, the shame that I brought to her, the love my mother had for me never changed. My status as her son never changed. And church, if that's true between me and my earthly parents, then that is infinitely more true between me and my heavenly father. You know, church, there are going to be times, church, we have to come to God and, and repent for the things that we've done for severing that relationship because we, we can be stupid, we, can, we, are, we are sinners, of course. But family, in the midst of our stupidity, in the midst of our sin, His love for us never changes. Our status as a son and daughter never changes as well. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is speaking about the love that God has for those who know Him, for the redeemed. And he concludes his explanation with this uh, crescendo of a question. In Romans 8, verse 35, 39, he says this. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Church, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This is not about the love that we have for him that falters. No, this is about the love that he has for us that is unfailing. God's love never changes for those who know him. If I could invite someone to be on keys, please, whoever's on keys today, cheers, cheers, Daniel. You know, family, there's, you know, we live in very, very uncertain times. You know, we have with, with COVID and all its all different variants and you know, political unrest in some places and threats of tsunamis and unstable economy. But family, the most comforting reality that we have as believers is the immutability of God, that God never changes, that our surroundings may change, that our circumstances may change, that our society may change us. But God is saying, for I, the Lord, do not change. This is the comfort that we have. In the world that constantly changes, he is never changing. In the storm, he is a constant shelter. Family, in a world that is very much a post-truth age and an age of propaganda and fake news, he is always the source of truth. Your family, when God appeared to Moses, he said uh, in the burning bush, he said, I am who I am. This great, eternal, unchanging God. He has no beginning. He has no end. There is no deviation or shifting or shadow in God. He is the rock of ages. He is this great, everlasting, eternal, immutable God. Church, this is a God that you can build your life on. So when the, when the storms do come, you can remain firm and resolute. Friend, I want to encourage you if, you, if you haven't already, to build your life on this unchanging God, to let His Word anchor you, to let His purpose purposes empower you and allow His love to secure you. Your church, in these uncertain times, I don't, know what the, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know the one who holds the future. And there's this great, everlasting, unchanging God. Now is the time to build your life upon the solid rock. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come to you in your word, and we can be encouraged by regardless of what's going on around us, the circumstances and Shifting sands of our time and culture and circumstances, that you will remain unchanging, that your love remains unfailing. Father, we know that whatever we're going through, that you are the rock that we can build our life on. Father, I pray for those who don't know you, who those who are confused or discouraged or um, just uncertain about the times ahead, that they would build their life on the solid rock that is Christ Jesus. Father, we love you. We exalt you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Come on, church. Why don't we put our hands together for Jake? Thank you, Jake, for that awesome word. If I can just ask us to keep our eyes closed and um, if you can keep your head bowed down. We never like to close our service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. You may be here and you might say that you're far away from God or you don't know Jesus. You're not in a relationship with Jesus. And you want to say yes to Jesus. I want to extend this invitation to you this evening. The truth is God loves you and he created you. And he created you to enjoy a relationship with him. He created you to connect with him. But the Bible talks about a barrier that keeps us disconnected from God. It keeps us separated from God. You see that barrier, that disconnect is called sin. Sin is doing things our way. Sin is walking in disobedience to God. It is that sin that separates us. It is that sin that disconnects us from God. But also the penalty of that sin is death. The Bible says that the wages